Hi everyone and welcome to the Fill Your Bowl podcast. Each week I'm going to bring you new episodes which will inspire you to jump out of your comfort zone and ditch society's expectations of what's normal. This podcast is designed for anyone who wants to fill up their bowl in all areas of their life, whether that's physically, mentally, spiritually or emotionally. If you're finally ready to jump on the self-love train and opt out of what society expects of you, then you're in the right place. I want to bring you raw and honest conversations on mental health, relationships, navigating life in your 20s, healing your relationship with food, exercise and your body and lots more. Grab a coffee, turn the volume up and let's get started with today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and remember, what's the one thing you'll regret not doing when you're 80 years old? Now, go do it. Angela, thank you for joining me. I've been really looking forward to our chat because I I know it's something that I live by and I know it's something that you live by as well. And I really want to focus this episode on living an authentic life. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Lauren. I'm super excited about this chat and just getting into all the stuff about living authentically, which can sometimes be a little bit of a, a loaded topic of discussion so it'll be fun to get into it's hard like it's it's not easy living an authentic life because I feel like you can be seen as selfish in a way to do that because you're literally just taking your own thoughts into account and that's it (laughs) sometimes (laughs) Um, it's literally just what what you want and you go after it so this is a big, big question. So maybe we'll need to break it down a little bit. But what does living authentically mean to you? Yeah, so I actually, the first time I really thought about the idea of living an authentic life was I was taking a college course that was about living authentically. Um, It was very interesting. But at the time, I was almost annoyed by the concept, I think, because I was really not living authentically at that moment in my life. I was really trying to fit in with like society's norms, um, just trying to make like other people like me a lot, very into like a people pleaser mentality at that point. Um, And the authenticity course was at a really interesting point in my life because it was right when I first started my Instagram and my YouTube, which was, it was basically at that point I was extremely, I felt really lonely and like I didn't have a lot of friends who did the same things as me. So I wanted to connect with other people who are really into writing and reading. So I started those channels. And so I was still not 100% on board with the idea of authentic living. But over the course of that semester within my own life, things started to reflect where I was more authentically living for myself and not caring as much what people thought about what I was doing and more about what was going to make me happy. And I think that's kind of at the heart of authentic living is looking at what's going to make you happy, not necessarily what other people want you to do, which at first can sound kind of selfish, but it actually really isn't that selfish because when you're living your happiest life, you're best able to serve other people and you're able to build things, whether that's a career or a business or a social media account that can inspire and help others as well. I I just want to let everyone know kind of how we met as well because you mentioned your Instagram and YouTube then and so Angela 
runs a bookstagram account so if no one knows what that is it's pretty much an account where we share book ideas with each other and also (laughs) you talk a lot about writing as well don't you because you're writing a book is that right Yes. So I'm currently writing and querying literary agents, which is a very scary process. (laughs) Amazing. And this is also something that's so different. Like how many people take it upon themselves to write a book and just go out there and say, look, I'm going to do this. Um, What made you what made you decide to do that? Yeah. So I'd always wanted to write a book like being a writer just seemed really natural to me from when I was a kid on. And I've just always really loved writing and storytelling. I kind of grew away from it a little bit in like high school and college just because, again, I was so into the idea of like external achievement and like finding my place in the world, so to speak. And I think a lot of people go through that phase. But then near the end of college, um, I decided it was time for me to start doing more of what I wanted to do just because life is so short. And that's when I started getting back into writing. And I wrote my young adult contemporary novel, well, building up at that time, it was really more of a writing account than a bookstagram. The bookstagram came when TikTok came around, um, but it was just to share my writing journey and to connect with other writers. And that entire thing's really blossomed into now having a community of over ten thousand people that I can connect with about what I authentically love and what they authentically love. And then also, obviously, writing the book. But then along the way, I also redefined what my idea of being a writer was and was able to then start a business where I offered digital marketing services. So I do write for most of the day, but not always creative writing in the way that we think of it. So for example, I think later today I'm writing another article about like healthcare insurance, which sounds very boring, but it's actually really fun to me because I love research and it still means I get to be a full-time writer and kind of have that time and location independence. I love that you've, you're doing like this, like you're building a business from something that you love, which is amazing. I'm really glad that you touched upon external achievement there because this is something really, really important. We are all seeking external validation and those medals, the um, the trophies, and we want the well done. And I think writing is really, really hard because there's no one there to to give you that medal, I guess, until you get to the point of your querying. Like every day you have to sit down at your desk and write. And there's no one there to tell you to do it. There's no one there to tell you um, that you're going to even make it as a writer. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it takes a lot of self-belief that you can do this and that you will get there. So that's a really important thing because I feel like you need to dive internally a little bit more and just have that self-belief and just think okay well I'm not getting the external validation right now but maybe one day I will and just holding on to that as well you mentioned as well that you were fitting in with society's norms in what way were you trying to do that I was very much trying to just fit into what people at my university in particular were doing. I went to a university that had a very specific culture that was very around this idea of getting the nine to five and just like hustling towards that job, trying to get the best internships, at the most prestigious companies. And then also on the flip side, a lot of like nightlife and just kind of if you're not working, then you're partying. And there was never really time or people didn't really make time around me to be creative or to ask deeper questions or to go after what they wanted to do and do creative projects and live passionately, which that's always been something 
that I found a lot of joy in is being able to be curious, being able to create. And I think it was just hard because I thought that those traits, because they separated me from the people around me, made me worse. So I had to hide them. But at the end of the day, I was just making myself upset. And I wasn't even really making any friends. Like, actually, I think I made more friends at university once I started living authentically, not the way that I thought other people wanted me to live. Oh, I love that so much because it, it does come at a price sometimes when you start living authentically because you start realizing the things that you think you're supposed to want, you don't want and you stop trying to fit in with everyone else. So that means, okay, I don't have as many friends to hang out with because I'm not trying to fit in with this friendship group. And I'm so glad you mentioned the the nine till five job and the traditional routes that people go down. And I fell for it. Like I went down the nine till five job at, at university. I was all about the nightlife. I was all about fitting in. I was all about just not being me and actually putting on this persona and it's only been within the last couple of years that I've truly stepped into who I am as a person and started to live more authentically but it's really hard for people when we are living in a society where you do just want to fit in because there's no room sometimes for the people that stand out but I, I don't know. I think what you mentioned about asking the deeper questions and being curious, it is so important because there is just so much more to life than going out, partying, getting drunk, being hungover. <laughs> like that was never fun. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think too, if anyone's listening to this and you feel like you want to make a major life change and you're like overwhelmed, uh, I would just say that this wasn't like overnight I flipped a switch and I was just a completely different person and didn't care about the nine to five and didn't care about going out in nightlife anymore. I think it's more, it can be gradual and you can take your time when you're making any decisions in your life. And something that I found to be really great when you're, when you are making those big changes or when you're trying to live more authentically is don't get so caught up in the outcome. So for example, you're trying to write a book, don't get caught up in being published or not because you actually can't control at the end of the day if you get a literary agent, if you get a book deal. But you can control if you have fun while you're writing, while you're editing. So with anything in life, like focus on more of how the process makes you feel and not the outcome and just take it little by little. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to focus on your business a little bit that you are running and just ask you, I guess, how did you have the confidence to firstly start your own business? Yeah, so it was definitely, again, a very little by little thing. Um, So the journey started, it actually started long before I made money. It was like there was a year there where I knew I wanted to be my own business owner but I didn't really understand how to go about it. So I tried like cold emailing people and my cold email pitch at that time was horrible. I sent it to a hundred people and heard back and got two rejections and no one like wanted to use my services. And so I was like, okay, I guess like being a business owner just like isn't for me. And I think a lot of times we have this weird mindset of like, if it doesn't work right away, that means it's never going to work. So I was kind of in that space. So I kind of stepped away from the business completely. I focused on finishing up my last year at college. And then in my last semester at college, I started an internship. And it wasn't, I just knew I didn't want to work a nine to five in marketing um, from that internship. But I did like the marketing work, I guess, if that makes sense. So then I found like, 
I just started talking to people who were doing what I wanted to do. So I started talking to freelancers who had gone to my school and just trying to figure out how they'd gotten to where they were. And then someone recommended this job board site. And I had a lot of very, I I didn't have a lot of good luck with there, but I did have good luck with one client in particular who became my first long-term client who I still work with today. And then from there, I mostly got most of my clients through networking The idea of cold pitching or cold calling has always been something that really scares me, but it seems less scary when you reframe the idea of networking as just you're meeting cool people and someone might know of an opportunity that's good for you or they might not and you just now have a really cool, awesome new person that you know. So reframing it that way was really good. Um, And it was the confidence really came when I found the way of getting business and getting clients that worked for me instead of just trying to do what people commonly tell you to do. Like I feel like when it comes to being a freelancer, I almost always hear the advice to either cold pitch, like send emails to people you don't know, to go on Fiverr, to go on Upwork, to go on like Indeed and apply for jobs. And none of those ever really felt authentic to me. So finding a way that felt authentic, which was kind of that networking, mostly on LinkedIn, (laughs) to try to find clients felt really good. And that's when I built up the confidence. Where are the majority of your clients coming from now? So they almost all come from referrals and just kind of networking and reaching out to people. So I'll go on LinkedIn and try to look for people who are like second connections um, because we at least both know someone similar and then I'll reach out to them. A lot of times I'll try to just set up like a virtual coffee chat and I don't even really go into it looking for clients. It's just more like a chance to introduce myself and to learn about who they are. Um, so it's a very weird process. And then once you get started in getting a couple of clients and doing really good work for them, I found now I get a lot of referrals. So people just, my current clients just refer me to other people who need similar services. It's always word of mouth wins every time. (laughs) I really like what you said about reframing the idea of networking. Um, well, reframing the idea of sales, really, because that's what you're doing. You're selling yourself and you're selling your services. So it's reframing the idea of that to be networking instead. And that was something that I really, really struggled with because I used to work a sales job and I could not connect to it at all. I felt so distant from myself. And I then realized it was because I just didn't believe in what I was selling. Like if you believe in what you're selling and I imagine your services are amazing and you've got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of um, tools that you can help people with and solve their problems. But if you don't believe in what you're selling, like that's a big thing. And I think what you were saying, it's important to learn about that person before jumping in with a with a sales pitch like what are their pain points what are their problems that you can help solve you don't know that yet until you actually speak to them yeah no I definitely agree and I think too like I'm definitely someone I get very scared of sales I think because I've never had a sales job before um even when I believe in what I'm selling so just knowing that over time it does get easier and that sometimes you just need to put yourself out there. And once you have kind of that first step and can dare greatly, as like Brene Brown would say, then eventually it'll get easier and easier. Love Brene Brown. <laughs> so glad you quoted her. <laughs> what are your biggest struggles in running your own business? Yeah, so I think definitely probably the sales part is my biggest struggle just because I'm not naturally a salesperson. Um, I'm quite an introvert. So sometimes the networking part can 
be a little bit tiring to me compared to like doing the actual work part. I found most of the entrepreneurs I meet kind of fall into like one or two, one of two camps. They're either really good at selling or they're, and they're really bad at managing their time and managing all the tasks, or they're really good at managing all their tasks, but they're not as good at like selling and coming up with those creative ideas. But what I love about being an entrepreneur that I did technically work a nine to five for a couple of months after college because I thought that was the way I had to go. And comparing now what I'm doing as an entrepreneur and freelancer to what I did in my nine to five, I like it more because there's more opportunities for personal development. So in entrepreneurship, it's not just business. You're also growing a lot as an individual. And so I just found I have to really come out of my shell and do things that I wouldn't normally want to do, for example, but that are really good for me to go through and learn. Um, So that's what I really like about business is that it's so personal. Absolutely. I love the personal development aspect as well. And there's just always something to learn. There's always something that you can be doing to grow, which I guess it it makes it also very, very hard because how do you switch off? How do you make sure that you are making time for yourself? Because when you are running your own business, you can just work and work and work and grind and grind and keep going. So how do you find that time to switch off? Yeah. So I try to, I actually track my hours in my accounting service that I use, which is called FreshBooks. Um, And I always, my goal is actually to never get over 40 hours a week of work. And I track when I'm doing like internal projects too, um, so not just client work. And I try to do that just to remind myself that part of the reason I went into entrepreneurship, it's more for like the time and location independence than it is necessarily to quote unquote, get rich fast. Um, I don't know if entrepreneurship is a really great path to get rich fast, or at least as it's not it's not as likely as people on TikTok make it seem to have that happen. Um, so I really like to reframe it that way. And the time tracker reminds me that like, okay, Angela, it's time to shut off. If you're working more than 40 hours a week, which would be an average nine to five, like what is the point then in owning your own business? Because you did this. So you have that time freedom. Um, and so I do that. And then I just, a lot of times the beauty of it is that I kind of can flow with how I'm feeling So some days if I'm not feeling as great, I can work less hours. And some days if I'm really in the mood to work, I can work more hours. So it's really taught me how to listen to my body and just my brain to see what I want to do on what days. It sounds like you have a really good balance going on there because I know for me, I I really, really struggle to be strict with myself in that sense. Like I think it's so good that you try and make sure that you that you never work over 40 hours a week because I know myself and I would just, something would pop up and I'd be like, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh yeah, I'm just such a people pleaser. <laughs> like how do you stop being a people pleaser? Um, It's definitely a process. So it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> to mm-hmm. me, it's really been about looking at the idea of just boundaries in general has been something I've been grappling with a lot recently. And when I uphold my boundaries, it's not just good for me, but it's good for my clients. It's good for people I come in contact with, my friends, like anyone I meet, just because you aren't really giving the best of yourself when you don't have those boundaries in place. So I know I could work longer and sometimes it's really hard to shut down and I just want to keep on working. Um, But I know if I do keep on working, it's not going to be my best work because at least for me around, I can work about... 10 to 11 hours if I'm in like a really good work day but beyond that I get like really exhausted and some days if I'm having just a weird mental health day I get like 
exhausted after three or four hours of work. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like this work isn't even going to be good at this point. Like my clients deserve the best work and I'm going to give them the best work when I'm also taking time to rest. Yeah, I need to I need to take that on board. I need to listen to that because I am the exact same. I actually can't do 10 to 11 hours of the same work, I guess. I'm fine when it's different projects that I'm working on. But if I'm just sat at a computer for any longer, well, I mean, I work a nine till five right now. And it's, it's not my favorite. Um, I'll tell you that. I think I find it really important to have breaks, mini breaks throughout the day Mm -hmm. all the time like I need them otherwise there's no way I'm making it to well I say I work nine till five I finish at four o'clock normally but there's no way I'm where I'm I'm making it to four o'clock otherwise but I'm really glad that you mentioned TikTok and it's not as easy as it makes it out to be entrepreneurship because TikTok if anyone watches TikTok or even Instagram and you can you see people all the time just saying I can help you make 10k a month. I can help you make 15k a month. Blah blah blah. And it it makes it look like you have overnight success and it makes it look like it's so easy and you work with this coach and suddenly you're getting your 15k month. And it's just not that easy. It's not that simple. And you I I mean I know I follow a lot of people who run their own businesses and they are constantly shouting about their their 15k months and um, how it's possible for you as well and of course it is possible for people but it like you keep saying it doesn't happen overnight it is a gradual process that to me too is something that can sometimes bother me at times or make me feel like I'm not moving fast enough or I'm feeling inferior but a lot of times if something seems too good to be true it most likely is too good to be true and when you do a lot of investigating on not all the people who are broadcasting that But if you do a lot of investigating, a lot of times I find it ironic that a lot of them are making their money by teaching other people how to make money. So they didn't even really do it themselves. They're just kind of teaching other people how to do it now, which is very interesting. Um, And also, I like the idea of if someone's truly content, they're not necessarily going to broadcast it like their life is completely amazing online because they're too busy living it. That's really interesting, the point you make when you do the investigating and you realize they haven't actually done it themselves. They're just do they're just making the money by teaching other people. And like that's either very smart or very dumb. I'm not quite sure. Because well, probably very smart because they're making money. But also I don't think I would feel legit. I don't think I would I would not feel authentic doing that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to how those people feel. I would love to someday be like a business coach or a business mentor, um, as well as offering like my freelance services because I love like helping other people and being able to like coach other people through things. But I just want to make sure I'm at a point where I've had a couple of years of decent success before I offer those services to other people because I think when you're mentoring other people, when you're sharing content, you kind of have an obligation to share from a place that's authentic and to share things that you've kind of already gone through, whether you're talking about being like a business coach or even just talking about like mindset stuff online, I think it's a good idea to make sure you heal it yourself before you talk about it on the internet. I want to talk about something you just said there. You want to make sure that you have a good level of success before you jump into that. 
So what does success mean to you? Because I've had to really reframe my definition of success over the past couple of years. And this was always a question that I got asked in job interviews. And instantly I'd say, oh, to have lots of money, to buy a house, like the classic answers. And I've had to really redefine that because none of them really equals success to me now. Yeah, I've always been quite an ambitious person. So I think for a lot of my life, if you had asked me what success means to me, I don't even think I would have said to have a house, to make a lot of money. I think I would have been like to be famous and to be a best-selling author and to have thousands of people like following me, like just very outlandish and ambitious things. Um, and in trying to pursue those things, I realized how empty it can feel and how you can make things that should be fun into a not fun experience. So now I'm kind of shifting my idea of success away from the outcomes that I want and more onto how I want to feel every day. So to me, a successful life is one where you can wake up on a Monday and be genuinely happy about the week ahead. It's one where you feel like you're living in like alignment with your values where you can go and just explore things that you're curious about. So one thing I'm currently going to be exploring is I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling this year over in Europe. And I don't really know, like when I think about it, I'm like, it seems like a waste, I guess, to just spend a year. I'm spending each month in a different country in Europe. So I'm like, that just seems like a waste to me. But that's when I think about it logically, but something about that just really instinctually calls to me and it seems like a fun experience to have. So now I'm just kind of thinking of like, when I'm being curious and consistently working towards what I think will make me happy and being happy while working towards it is kind of like my definition of success now. Yes, all about being happy and how you feel. And I'm the exact same. As long as I'm feeling good every day, or not even good every day, but even on the bad days, I'm able to be self-aware about them, be curious, ask myself, what what's going on here? What do I need? Like, and being able to give myself what I need in that moment. I know before, like when I was really suffering with my mental health, I wasn't able to give myself what I needed in that moment. And I would mask every emotion that I was feeling. So now, yeah, success is a very, very different, it looks very different (laughs) for for me. I want to talk about Europe. That is so exciting. So what are you doing? Are you traveling around Europe? Are you going for work? Yeah, so kind of both. So I'm going to be working well over there, but I'm originally from the United States and all my clients are in the United States. Um, So technically I do work in the United States for like a US company because my company is registered in the United States. Uh, But I'm going to be going to a different country every single month, but kind of staying in one place in that country, if that makes sense. So it's, I call it slow travel. So I'm not trying to see everything there is to see. I'm more so trying to figure out what it would be like to live in a different country for like just a month at a time. And I kind of similar to when I started my business, this is just great life advice in general. I tried to find people on LinkedIn and Instagram who I knew who had already done this and just set up Zoom calls with them to chat with how they did it, like what they found helpful. And someone recommended these things called co-living um facilities I guess and they're kind of they're kind of similar almost to dorms but for working adults so it's for people who are digital nomads whether they work a nine to five remotely or are running their own business and you get like your own room and your own bathroom but then you share like a kitchen and a living room and like a workspace and a gym with other people who are there so I liked it because I am 
I have friends joining me at parts of my trip, but I am going alone, but I didn't want to be completely alone. So this gives me the opportunity where I still have my own bedroom, but then I can live and work with like-minded people. That's so exciting. Oh my God. I'm really, really excited for you. And that's a really good idea. I didn't know that you could, there were co-living facilities like that. That's amazing. I guess it sounds like a hostel, but you've got a private room in the, in the hostel. It's not, it's yeah. You're not sharing with other people. Yeah. So you're going alone, which that's very, very big in itself. Um, I've also moved countries alone and it can be scary and it can be, there's a lot of unknown there. How did you make the decision that you were going to do this and have the confidence that everything was going to work out? Um, I think my one friend gave me, my one friend gave me a really good piece of advice and she's currently living abroad. And she said, once you get like the instinct to do it and you understand like, okay, I can do this and work or like I have enough money saved up that I can take like a sabbatical from work or whatever, just buy the plane ticket before you can second guess it, <laughs> which I think is a really good piece of advice. Cause I think if I had waited around and been like, oh, well, like maybe I should see what's going on with the thing from 2020 that we don't name um or maybe I should see like what's going on like politically between countries and if a war is going to break out like I don't think I would have done it but because it was kind of like a split second decision where I was like yes I'm going to say yes to this dream that I've always wanted to do um I think it made it easier because now it's like well the plane tickets booked the co-living things are booked so we're going <laughs> I would call this following your intuition, definitely. As soon as you've got that feeling inside of you that this is what you want to do, that is your intuition. That is something telling you this is where you're meant to be. This is what you are supposed to be doing. And you can talk and talk and talk yourself out of it, which is what I tried to do. I tried to tell myself, oh, I don't have enough money right now. Oh, I've, I've just met my boyfriend who is back in the UK. So we're now doing long distance. <laughs> so now's not the right time. I need to I need to stay put. And you can you can think of all of these excuses as to why you shouldn't be doing this thing. But at the end of the day, that feeling's never going to go away. That That feeling of that thing that you really want to do it's never going to go away. And until you do it, until you try it, you you are just going to keep thinking about it. So I'm so excited for you because this is such an exciting adventure. Do you have everything mapped out? Are you planning everything to the T before you go so you know the plan or are you leaving it up to the universe a little bit? So I did. I booked all my places because I remember, and I know you've read this book too, Lauren, but in The Adventures of Opting Out, she was talking about how she didn't book her places ahead of time and then they were too expensive for her. So I didn't mm. want that to happen. So I have all my places booked and I have my initial ticket from the US to Madrid booked. But other than that, I don't have anything booked. And I'm actually trying to do as little research as possible about what's in the cities that I'm going to be visiting because I really want to, once I'm there, be able to go with the flow and then also not put too much pressure on myself to have to see everything. Like I don't want to just have a list that's like a travel itinerary just because that would stress me out. And I just know I'm a very type A person. So I'd be like, I need to see this museum and this palace and blah, blah, blah. blah. Like I really just want to be able to see what I feel guided to do once I'm over there and leave a little bit up to chance but I didn't necessarily want to leave the financial element up to chance. So I did book like the places in advance just to get a better price on them. Yes, agreed. It can, yeah, I that, that book, such a good book. If, ever, if no one has read it, I would definitely recommend you go and, you go and read it. But what happened, it, 
is it Kate? Kate Flanders. Yeah. Um, she, yeah. she talks about moving across to England from Canada and she actually had to leave England to go back to Canada because she hadn't booked all of her accommodation. And of course you don't need to do that in every circumstance, but it is nice to have the accommodation booked so you know you've got somewhere to live when you're in a different country and you're not going to be homeless which was something that I yeah. I did before I moved to Canada. I had a flat sorted. So I knew that the minute, and a job actually. So I knew the minute I landed, I had a job, I had a flat and I was going to be able to afford food that night. And I had a roof over my head. So even though you you are still jumping into the unknown, you're still doing this crazy, scary, amazing thing, you can still or you need to still be sensible and have things planned because in the past I've been that person that has had nothing planned and just gone on the absolute whim and just hoped that it all worked out sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't and I think you have to just do it sometimes to see to see how it is so when are you going Mm -hmm. yeah so I'm leaving in April so it's still quite a ways away um, but then I'll probably be gone until Thanksgiving. The ending of the trip is still a little bit, I still need to plan out the ending of the trip. I've been, it's been kind of a fun activity. Every single Saturday, I'll try to plan out a different month of it. Um, just like finding a place that I want to live. Um, so that's been really fun and just kind of a fun activity to do. It's definitely hard within the waiting period and just like waiting to go, But I think that just because of timing and personal things that April was the right month to head on out. Yeah, it it, it is really hard when you're in that waiting period because you're kind of ready to just go. But (laughs) But, I mean, at least you've got a good amount of time to be with family and friends and make sure that you are seeing everyone before you before you head off. That is I'm just so excited for you. Uh, How did you know that this was the right decision for you? So I really like, I forget where I heard this quote, but there's a quote that it's like your intuition's kind of like the quiet voice in the back of your head and then like your anxiety or like the external world's like the loud voice that's shouting at you. And so I just really felt ever since I really graduated from college, like I really wanted to go specifically to Spain and I just really wanted to like move to Spain. It's always been kind of like an intuition nudge. But then when I started looking at like actually immigrating to Spain, I was like, wow, this is like kind of complicated. Like there's a lot of like things I would have to fill out, a lot of like immigration papers. Like do I even know if I want to live in Spain? Like I loved it when I visited when I was in high school, but would I want to live there full time? Like I don't know. And so right around that time that I was starting to have all those doubts was when I read Adventures in Opting Out. And I really liked that approach of like I, I could take slow travel instead of choosing. I think a lot of times we think either we need to move to one country or we need to go and see a million countries at a super fast rate and stay in hostels and live like that fast paced digital nomad life. And that really, that book opened me up to the fact that there's a third option and that I could kind of almost try out places. So when I read that, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I started thinking like, what if I tried out a couple of different countries that I'm considering moving to? For, short, for longer, shorter periods of time, if that makes sense, um, and just see if I like it or not. That's a really good idea, to be honest. And I agree. I mean, I've never actually gone backpacking or anything like that. I think I've always done slow travel in a sense because I guess I lived in America for 
over a year and a half and then traveled America while I was there. So that was pretty much slow travel. <laughs> and then I've moved to Canada and I'm just slowly traveling Canada while I'm living here as well. So I, I completely agree. And I, I did go to Thailand actually, but that was for a month, a month and a half. So that was also slow travel. So I've never been the one to jump from one place to the next really, really quickly. I like to settle, settle in a little bit and travel where I'm living. So I think that's a really good idea. And I think you're going to have the most amazing time. Do you know anyone in Europe or in any of the locations that you're going to? So it's actually kind of funny how this worked out. So when I first decided that I was going to go, like I knew no one in any of the locations, except I was going to visit one of my closest friends who I've never met in real life lives in the UK. So I know I wanted to go and visit them. Um, And so that was the only place I knew someone was in the UK. But now, like since I booked the trips and booked where I'm going to be staying, I don't know anyone in Spain, but I at least speak Spanish. I should be able to make friends there pretty easily. Um, And that's part of the reason why I did the co-living thing because I don't know anyone. But since booking it, like my one friend's going to be in Portugal at the same time as me. One of my other friends is going to be in Croatia at the same time as me. One of my friends invited me to come visit her in Serbia. And like one of my other friends is coming to Montenegro. So I know someone in every country that I'm going to be visiting except um, Belgium and Spain, which is very interesting that it worked out that way. I mean, I'm not even surprised. And (laughs) I just think that is the universe doing its thing. Like you have put out into the world, this is what you're going to do. You're not scared of anything. Well, there's still a little bit of fear, but you're going to do it regardless. And that is the universe working with you to make sure that you have the best experience possible. So I'm I'm literally not even surprised by that. I always find the times where I have really lived authentically and put myself out there into situations that I wouldn't have done done if I wasn't going to be true to myself the universe has always met me halfway and it's always given me what I needed in that moment sometimes it's good sometimes it's not but there's always a lesson to come from it but it's always worked with me to lead me to the place that I need to be so I'm I'm not surprised at all that that it's happened like that I think if anyone is listening to this It is so common for that to happen. It is so common for you to go out and do something on your own and then it ends up being the best thing ever because so many things have just fallen into place that you couldn't have even imagined. Like that is what happens when you step out into the unknown. Things start falling into place and you just couldn't have even written it. And that's why I find the unknown so, so exciting. Yes. And it always, I don't know if you found this, Lauren, but it always comes together in the way that you don't think it's going to. Like you, it makes so much sense when you're looking back, but you never would have guessed that it would work out the way it does. Like when you're in the moment. Absolutely. And this is exactly what happened to me when I moved down to Cornwall from Essex, where I was living back in the UK. I lasted three weeks there, but I met my boyfriend who I'm now in a long-term relationship with. But I, in that three weeks was when I met him and I realized that I wasn't meant to go to Cornwall to live there and do the job that I thought I was meant to do. I was meant to go to Cornwall to meet him. And I truly believe that. And I had this real urge to move to Cornwall. And I don't know what it was. Well, it was my intuition. It was just that niggling feeling inside me. I had everyone around me, my mom, um, my friends, just like, are you sure this is the right decision? Like, this is, you are making this choice 
on a whim you've not really thought it through are you sure this is the right choice and I, I was adamant yeah like my intuition is telling me I need to go so I have to go packed my bags packed everything into my car and moved down there for three weeks before calling my mum crying saying mum I need to come back home <laughs> like I was in tears saying I it's not right for me I need to come back home but I now know looking back I think I was meant to go down there to meet my boyfriend and it's it's just so weird the way things work and the way the universe does guide you towards certain scenarios yes it's so true and sometimes too it's like you don't even like sometimes I don't know if you felt this way but there's been things that have happened that I'm like why did that happen to me and it doesn't make sense for a while afterwards so I always just take I always just try to remember that you never know when something's going to make sense, but that eventually it will. So you might as well just enjoy whatever the moment is giving you at the time. I Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said this because I'm actually going through it right now. I'm currently, so a bit of backstory. I, as I've said, I'm in Canada. My boyfriend's in the UK and he's trying to get the visa right now to come to Canada. It's It's been a struggle. Um, he it's a lottery basically. So we have no idea whether he's going to get the visa or not. And there's a certain quota. So Canada gives out 5,000 visas to the UK every year. So as soon as that quota is gone, it's gone. So at the minute we're sitting, they've given out around 3,000 visas. So we're like, oh my gosh, is he going to get the visa? Is he not? And every week Canada will do a draw. So a name gets picked out and he's yet to be picked out so we're like okay what like are you gonna get the visa are you not and I'm just really trying to trust that whatever happens is meant to meant to happen and the universe has you know got got our backs and (laughs) it will guide us in the direction it's meant to go but I'm currently thinking why is this happening like I'm having all of those feelings of just I guess lack and why is this happening to me? Like, why do I have to be the one that's in a long distance relationship? Like things like this. And I'm trying to really switch my mindset around to actually know, like I, I've got my independence right now. I can do a lot of projects for myself that I know I was not giving the time to, that I wanted to when I was living with him back in the UK. So it is just switching your mindset around a lot of the time. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever tried this, but for me, I get into periods of lack. It's kind of funny you mentioned that. I feel like I've been in kind of a period, a weird period of lack recently too. But what I try to do is I try to write gratitude list um, and just really consciously focus my mind on what I do have. Because if you focus on lack, the lack grows. But if you focus on abundance, the abundance grows. I love that. I need to get better at this. I actually did do a meditation last night and it was all about inviting what you want into your life. But I think I need to remember what I have right now instead of keep asking for things. I think I need to sit with myself and do that, write the gratitude list and be grateful for everything I have right now because I have so much to be grateful for. And we all do. And I think we forget if anyone is listening to this, they have so much to be grateful for The people who aren't listening to this because maybe they don't have a phone or they don't have, uh, they don't live in a country where podcasts are even a thing. You don't have the free speech to even make a podcast, things like this. 
they don't they don't have that kind of gratitude and I think we forget sometimes how much we do have and we focus on what we don't have way too often and then we get ourselves into this little self-pity ball and we can't get out of it yeah no and I always try when I'm writing gratitude lists too not just to focus on like the big wins but also the smaller things like sometimes I'll think about and I try to like feel into it I guess if that makes sense like feel the gratitude for whatever it is for a moment when I write it So I always think about the idea of if you didn't have a roof over your head, that would just be very inconvenient and it would just make the snowstorms worse. It would make the rain worse. So like when you think about it, like having a roof over your head is definitely something to be grateful for because life would be very hard without it. Yes. And this is also a way that I've tried to reframe my mindset around money because that we we all do it we sit there and say oh I've got this other bill coming up oh like the heating is so expensive oh I've got to pay rent well if you weren't paying rent you'd be out on the streets homeless so let's switch that around and be a little bit thankful that you even have rent to pay and that you get to live Mm -hmm. you get to live under a roof in a warm flat or a warm house and you're in a bed and you've got all of these things that some people don't have and it can be really really hard and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you have to be positive 100% of the time and because there's that whole thing about toxic positivity going around um, as well and it's not about that I mean everyone has bad days everyone has those days where they just don't feel good enough and they're they're not feeling great but it's just how you cope with them as well and it's like I always say to myself I will allow myself to be in a in a negative space for like an hour or two and then I need to pick myself up I need to make sure that this doesn't go on and on and on because it can sometimes like when we get ourselves into that negative spiral like we can just keep feeding it with more and more negative things so I will allow my moment I will allow myself to wallow and then I'm like no I need to pick myself up now yes that's so very true I also try to listen to what the negative emotions are telling me because I think we sometimes label things as bad or good, but like at the end of the day, bad emotions or negative emotions are still really helpful because they can tell you where you're not happy in life or where you can grow more, or where you could change something up. So I also let myself have that moment of like wallowing, but also being curious in the wallowing. Yeah, I think that is so important to be curious because yeah, like it's important to I question everything now I think the more I've become self-aware the more I'm just like oh my gosh like I kind of wish I was in my own bubble again (laughs) because this is hard it's hard because there's so many uncomfortable feelings that pop up I did want to ask you actually what was what was COVID like for you in terms of your mental health um it was (laughs) COVID in in general 2020 and 2021 were kind of like the best and worst years of my life at the same time. So when COVID started, I was actually studying abroad in New Zealand, which was an interesting experience in and of itself because I always thought that I wanted to live in New Zealand. Like I was just dead set on living in New Zealand. I thought I wanted to immigrate there um, growing up. And then when I got there, it just wasn't exactly how I'd made it out in my mind as things hardly ever are. Um, So I was having like a really weird experience, but then I really wanted to stay obviously still. And then COVID happened and we actually had the option to stay or leave. And my mom booked me a plane ticket back to the US without even consulting me. So the first part of COVID was very not fun because I was kind of like in the US at my mom's house um, 
wanting to be in New Zealand still. And then I slowly started to get into a lot of spirituality stuff and found my sense of spirituality and manifestation just because I kept seeing manifestation TikToks. And I was like, well, I'm pretty miserable and life can't really get that much worse. So like, let's just try this and see if it works. And slowly it kind of did start to work. And from there, I realized how I liked making content online. And that's kind of when my TikTok started to take off. And then I also started to realize that I liked working with other people in the sense of opening up my own business and providing marketing services for clients, especially in like the health and wellness space, because mental health has meant so much to me over COVID and even before COVID. So it was an interesting time because I feel like I became more of myself, but that there was also still a lot of things, a lot of what ifs still, like what if it had never happened? What if I had stayed in New Zealand? Like how would my life be different that I've had to grapple with? Yeah, those what ifs can be tough because everyone gets them. Everyone wonders what what if I'd have chosen this path? What if I hadn't have chosen this path? What would have happened? It's interesting that you say that it wasn't New Zealand wasn't what you had made it out to be in your mind because this is also very very common. We paint this picture of how something is going to be and then it doesn't meet our expectations and we are disappointed. Was it not what it what you thought it was going to be in a good way, a bad way? Um, I think I think I'm I think it's my personality. So I have just a very I have a personality that's very into planning and making sure everything goes according to plan and liking to control everything and thinking I know what things are before like I even really explore them sometimes, which sometimes serves me, but a lot of times doesn't serve me. So I go into a lot of things in my life with really high expectations that are just hard to meet because they're so specific. So I just think that New Zealand didn't meet my extremely specific idea of what I thought it was. And that in and of itself and a couple of other experiences I had, mostly over COVID, to be honest, have kind of taught me that having super specific expectations isn't always a good thing because you should let things be what they are versus what you think they're going to be. So like I thought New Zealand was like full of a lot of like people who were super into being creative and like living a like lifestyle that's super outdoorsy and super vegan and like healthy. And then I got there and that's just not really what the lifestyle is like. They're like, my roommates all thought it was crazy that I was vegetarian. Like they'd never really met a vegetarian before. Um, so it's definitely not, it was just, I had a, this idealistic picture in my head and it was still fantastic and I still loved it, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm really glad you brought this up, actually, because I think it's a really important point because it's really, really common. And I guess, how do you deal with that situation when, because I I had it as well when I moved down to Cornwall, I had all of these ideas in my head of what my new life was going to look like back in April, and it didn't meet any of those expectations. And I then had to deal with the fact that I was going to tell everyone, I was wrong, I'm coming back home, it didn't work out for me. And I guess to other people, they don't get it as much. And to them, it just looks like, oh, well, she's a failure. She she quit her job to move somewhere new and then it didn't work out. So now she's home. Like she doesn't have a clue what she's doing with her life. Like how do you deal with the the idea of, do I go back home? Do I not? Do I stay? And do I don't know. What, what was the thought process that's going through your mind at that time? 
Yeah. So, well, at that time I didn't really have a choice, so I had to go back home, but I did want to stay until the end of the semester. Uh, but my mom just like kind of booked a plane ticket back home because um, she was like afraid of me being across the globe during a pandemic. Um, but other than that, I think something I realized that's really important is kind of letting go of those expectations, not only of the situation, but also of yourself. To me, living an authentic life doesn't mean that if you commit to something, you're committing to it for life. You can, if you're truly living authentically, what you want is probably going to change a little bit. So what I want right now is definitely great and authentic to me. But if a year from now I decide I want something completely different, that's completely okay too. So I think that there's something about being courageous and being able to change directions when you need to that in society we don't honor as much as we should. Yes, and I think it comes down to the fact that we are so worried about what everyone else thinks about our decision and things about what we're about to decide to do we want to we want to fit in we want to have that people pleaser um well we want to be people pleasers so it's it's really really hard when you do choose to do something different to block everyone else out and just say to yourself this is what I want to do right now so this is this is what I'm going to do um, I love the fact that you got into spirituality as well and manifestation and all of that throughout COVID. This was when I also got into everything like that. And I think it was because during such a unknown, weird time, it gave me that that sense of coming back to myself. It it, it really was the time that I, I found myself again. Yeah, I feel that too. And I definitely think Uh, There's something to be said about just having those spiritual practices in place and just kind of being able to go to the mindset gym as well as the physical gym. Um, Not every day, but most days. Um, I think that that's just a a really great blessing that a lot of people have been able to take out of this weird, horrible time in history. I love the, the mindset gym idea. I think we focus so much on our physical appearance and what we look like, how we can change our physical appearance. And we expect our mindset to change once our physical appearance changes. And it never does. We have to do the the mindset work as well, which I think that's a, a very good point to end it on as well. <laughs> um, do the mindset work. <laughs> um, well, Angela, I this chat has been amazing. Everything I love we have spoken about and was just wondering if you could share where people can find you if they wanted to look up your services um, and or maybe also write, is it, what, what are your services? Sorry, if you can maybe explain that <laughs> as well. Yeah. So I offer writing, copywriting services. So that includes like blogs and writing websites. I do email marketing campaigns for people. I run advertising campaigns such as like Google ads or Instagram ads. And then I do social media management. So they're kind of all over the place, but at the heart of everything I do is that storytelling aspect and making sure that it's really cohesive and speaking to my clients' ideal audiences. That stuff can be found at AngelaMyersCreative.com. And then if you want to connect with me on social media in more of like a fun way, um, I'm around at Angela Ann Reads on Instagram, which is where I'm most active. And then I'm trying out a new second Instagram for travel, like creative entrepreneurship and mindset at Angela Myers Creates. 
Oh, I didn't know this. I will have to go follow your second Instagram account. And to everyone listening, Angela has the most amazing energy. Like I, your energy is so contagious. So I will definitely be following that second Instagram. I cannot wait to follow you on your travels. This is so exciting. Yeah, thank you. And that means a lot to me because I, your energy is contagious, Lauren. And I always love watching your Instagram stories. So that's so sweet to hear. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for today. It's been amazing having you on and I wish you all the best with your travels in Europe. Yes, thanks for having me on.